0: today the below average joe's MMA show presents cage side rewind we will spin the wheel and let faith decide what ufc event we will be scouring through today yeah we will laugh we will cry i'm the guy wearing tie dye <laughs> All this and more, and it all starts right now. Welcome one, welcome all, to the first Cageside Rewind. Mm -hmm. A show where your favorite Joes go future to the back. And we take a trip down memory lane and check out some of the biggest, the baddest, the best, maybe the worst... Cards in MMA history. This is the portion of the show. This is the way it's going to open every time, people. We are going to find out, as you do, what event we will be rewinding to today. So, Dominic, I think it's time to spin that wheel. And we're off. Uh, <laughs> ufc 240
1: not too historic when well, you know well, I no mess no with
0: it. We're, we're not going too far back for this one so an interesting card to start with but if you guys want more details then continue watching as i kick it over to myself take it away noah yeah UFC 240 was held on July 27, 2019 at the Rogers place in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. This was the UFC's return to the home of the Oilers after their first showing in 2017 with UFC 215, Nunes vs. Shevchenko 2. With an attendance of 12,144 and a gate of 1.4 million, the event was a step backward from UFC 215's attendance of $16,232 and $2.02 million gate, The main event would see the pairing of Max Holloway and Frankie Edgar fighting for Holloway's UFC featherweight title. This was the UFC's third attempt at pairing the two after failing to do so with UFC 218 and 222 with each fighter having to pull out due to injury. For challenger Frankie Edgar, this would be title fight number 9 of his UFC career. In a stunning upset at UFC 112 in Abu Dhabi, Frankie Edgar would become the UFC's lightweight champion after defeating division great BJ Penn in a fight that Edgar would close as a plus-620 underdog. After spending nearly two years as champion in multiple title defenses, Edgar would lose his title in 2012. Frankie would speak to feeling undersized at the division he had been champion of. This would lead to him making a move to the featherweight division in 2013. Upon losing an interim title fight to Jose Otto at UFC 200, there were questions as to how much Frankie had left. He had proven to be an elite fighter in multiple weight classes, but by this point, it had been over three years since he was champion. He would bounce back, however, with wins over Jeremy Stephens, and a very impressive one-sided beatdown of highly touted rising contender Yair Rodriguez. This performance would earn him a shot at Max Holloway's title scheduled for UFC 218 at the end of 2017, but unfortunately for Edgar, he would have to wait longer for his shot as on November 11th he would be pulled from the bout and replaced by Jose Aldo. However, the fight would once again be booked, this time for UFC 222 in March of 2018. But once again, Frankie would have to wait for his shot as this time Max would be pulled from the bout on February 3rd. But, rather than waiting, Frankie stayed on the card and welcomed the late replacement opponent and a surging contender, Brian Ortega. This would prove to backfire as Frankie would be knocked out for the first time in his career by Ortega in round one. And to make it worse, Ortega himself would then be placed in the next title fight with Holloway. Despite this road bump, Frankie would bounce back in a big way with a victory in his home state of New Jersey against Cub Swanson in 2018 and, just over a year later, he was finally back in position to face Max Holloway. For UFC featherweight champion Max Holloway, his journey has been an interesting one to this point since we have basically watched him grow up before our very eyes and completely mature as a fighter. The Hawaii native started his UFC career at just 20 years old, and with only four professional fights to his name, at one point it almost seemed unthinkable that he would one day become champion. During that time, Max would find himself with a UFC record of 3-3 before embarking on the run that would define his career up to this point. He would rattle off nine straight wins over the likes of Cub Swanson, Charles Oliveira, Jeremy Stevens and Ricardo Lamas before earning himself an interim title shot against former UFC lightweight champion Anthony Pettis at UFC 206, where Max would finish Pettis in round three. Six months later, he would unify the title by defeating Jose Aldo and cement his status as the best in the division by beating Aldo again later that year. Follow that with a record-breaking showing against Brian Ortega where Max would land 290 significant strikes on Ortega, a then record for the UFC, bringing his win streak to 13, and securing his record for most significant strikes landed in a UFC career. For his next fight, Max decided it was time to chase history, an attempt to become only the fifth fighter in the company's history to simultaneously hold two division titles when he main-evented UFC 236 opposite Dustin Poirier. It was a great fight, But ultimately, Max failed in his bid to earn champ-champ status. So, despite two successful title defenses, a number 6 pound-for-pound ranking, and record-breaking performances left and right, Max Holloway enters UFC 240 with a chip on his shoulder and a renewed motivation to prove that he is the best featherweight in UFC history. The co-main event would see former Invicta, Strikeforce, and UFC women's featherweight champion Chris Cyborg In her final fight in the UFC, take on relative newcomer to the company, Felicia Spencer. In most people's eyes, Cyborg was already a legend of the sport before this event, after holding multiple promotion titles and having 20 straight fights without a loss. But many wondered how she would look following her 51-second knockout loss to Amanda Nunes just seven months prior. The relationship between Chris Cyborg and the UFC has never been great. In 2011, following a successful title defense against Hiroko Yamanaka, Cyborg would test positive for a banned substance. It would prove to be detrimental to her reputation and lead to many, many unfavorable insults from the MMA community, including UFC President Dana White, who at a media scrum in 2014 spoke on Cyborg's appearance at the World MMA Awards, saying she looked like quote, Vanderlei Silva in a dress and heels, unquote. Yikes. There was also the feud between Cyborg and former UFC megastar Ronda Rousey. These two were asked about each other a lot. In August 2012, Rousey made it clear that Cyborg needed to meet her at 135 pounds if the fight were ever to happen. This point would be reiterated by Dana White after signing Rousey, with him saying Cyborg wants nothing to do with this fight after Cyborg had plead to make the fight happen at 140 or 145 pounds. This rhetoric would continue for multiple years with Rousey and White trading turns, taking shots at Cyborg's failed PED test, and insinuating that her claim that she physically could not make 135 pounds was disingenuous. But then the impossible happened. In 2015 cyborg announced she had signed with the ufc and honestly guys there is so much more i have not mentioned about the feud between cyborg dana white and ronda it could honestly take up the entire length of this segment and then some but for the sake of time let's go ahead and talk about how Cyborg's ufc career was going up to this point she would debut at ufc 198 in 2016 at 140 pound catch weight in fact Cyborg's first two UFC bouts would be at this weight. This is because the UFC only had 115 and 135 pound divisions for their women fighters at this time. That is, until in December 2016 when the UFC announced they would be introducing a women's 145 pound division. Yay, all is right in the world. And we have an inaugural title fight. And it is going to be at UFC 208 at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. And it will be Holly Holm versus Jermaine Durandamy? Well, this is kind of strange, isn't it? This division was clearly created for one fighter. That fighter is not presently booked or injured. Yet, that fighter is not in this title matchup. Dana White would blame this on Cyborg, going on UFC Unfiltered to claim Cyborg had turned down two different dates to fight for the title, citing an inability to make 145 pounds in 8 weeks. What was Cyborg's response to this? Well, remember those two 140 pound fights Cyborg had taken to start her UFC career? Well, they had taken a toll on her, especially the last cut. They had had a tremendous impact on her and she felt like she was going to die in her words. Clips of her state during the cut made a lot of rounds in the media at the time and raised a lot of questions regarding unsafe weight cutting practices. This was, by the way, at a weight only 5 pounds less than the division we are currently talking about. But, despite all the drama, Cyborg did eventually capture UFC gold with a TKO victory over Tanya Evinger at UFC 214. Two title defenses later, and the Amanda Nunes fight was next, which she lost in very emphatic fashion. As for what happens next, it kind of depends on who you believe. Cyborg said she texted Dana White the night of her loss, asking for the rematch with Nunes right away. Dana, however, stated multiple times that Cyborg did not want the fight, and even said she was scared of losing again. So now she's fighting the unknown Felicia Spencer who debuted in the UFC just one month prior defeating Megan Anderson. It kind of feels like there is so much going on outside of the cage with Cyborg's contract status and her ongoing drama with Dana White that the fight itself has sort of felt like a bit of an afterthought in the build-up. Will Cyborg be overlooking the hungry young challenger? Time will tell, and I'd say with that, it's time to begin our watch-through. UFC 240. Ron Perlman. We are, we are no longer in... Um, when did they stop doing the Bring the Pain on pay-per-views? That
1: is a great question.
0: Like, it felt like just one day it was there and one day it was not. It was gone, yeah. Because I know at Fight Nights they have been doing these kind of intros for a long time. Yeah. But uh, at some point, it, it when I started watching, it was still Bring the Pain.
1: Yeah, 199 Definitely was still yeah. there
0: And I think it was still there for a couple years later Yeah Maybe the ESPN deal
1: Ooh, uh-huh. that could be it We're gonna find out That's what this
0: journey's for <laughs> That's what, that, that is what this journey's all about um, John looks so different <laughs> I'm assuming uh, Cause What did I just say? Over oh, in Canada So no Rogan, probably This is a two-man crew is John it? and
1: Joe. Joe is on this, I believe. If I'm in not mistaken, Canada. I think. Well, we're about to find out. I guess
0: we need that. <laughs> yeah, we well, need that roll. I'm, I'm dying with the anticipation. I need a drum roll.
1: We need the Chris Collinsworth Sunday Night Football roll <laughs> <Yeah>. in Fields. Chris in this sound machine that is. Everybody
0: starts screaming and yeah, bar. dude. Look. Oh, look it is, Joe Rogan. Wow.
1: Why now yeah. another question: Is this the last time he technically did an international event? I, wonder if he I, don't was this I
0: don't know. I don't know because that's so weird. Because I thought he never did international events. That that started years before
1: this. Yeah. Maybe everybody like, else first. Did it it
0: was first. It was the fight nights. He was like, "I'm not doing international," or I don't know if he said all fight nights or whatever. But all the, but obviously now he's just domestic pay per view. But yeah, uh, maybe he oh. was doing some stand up over there in in Drew. Alberta.
1: When was um. When did DC and um, Stipe fight the second time?
0: You have uh, One month later.
1: That might be why DC's not on this. This is one month during Uh, his camp, I bet.
0: That's true. It looks like my pizza has arrived, so I'll be right back.
1: Nice. I wonder what pizza you got, guys. Let me know what you think right now. What pizza do you think Noah got before he brings
0: it in? I fucked up, dude. (laughs) (laughs) I fucked up up big time. Oh, (laughs) no. Little note. Little note for all the listeners, viewers. Papa Murphy's take-and-bake pizza does not come to you cooked. (laughs) Dude. Oh, boy. Can I, like... Can I, like... Oh. This is is a raw-ass... Like, I'm sitting over here fucking... I'm like about to throw the dough up in the air. I mean, what the hell's going on here?
1: You gotta go put it in the oven, <laughs> and we know your struggles with the oven. <laughs> I,
0: I don't have a I don't have a pizza like. Do you have a pan? Whatever.
1: Oh no! <laughs>
0: <laughs> Can I just eat the toppings and not Ew. die? <laughs> the longer I sit here and wait, that pizza is just.
1: Please don't eat that uncooked pizza. <laughs> it's
0: Please. probably pretty good.
1: Dude, uh, Davison Figueredo and Alexandre Pantoja, both top four on the prelims, not Mm -hmm. on the main card.
0: All the disrespect to those flyweights, man. And it was fight of the night. Fight of the night night as well. Who would
1: have thought? Oh, I was going to say, we should guess what color Bruce Buffer's suit jacket is.
0: (laughs) He's in Canada. I'm going to guess like a maroon.
1: Okay, because I was going to say straight up red. Is that fair to do red versus maroon?
0: How are we always like how out of all the colors why are we picking the same one I mean what what is going on here it's gotta be that fine, fine. Of you go with red I'm gonna pivot
1: okay you better hurry
0: light blue no dark blue
1: dark blue Noah says dark blue I say red oh Canada let's hear it Bruce what you got give me red baby Oh, that's you would have <laughs> been more right than me. I that's think
0: that's such bullshit. I know Bruce Buffer so well, dude. I could get a Frish's big boy right now.
1: I've not what had Frishes you? in so long. Oh,
0: Round Honestly, one. I, of the way, I'm not
1: big on mustard. Yes, fight us. I,
0: I like just regular mustard, and I do like honey mustard at times. But like spicy brown mustard, I'm like, what the fuck's going on here?
1: Oh my gosh. Kristoff Jotko just did a dipsy-daisy flippy-doo. Joe Rogan says it got sloppy, though. Sloppy-toppy. I'm
0: sorry, a sorry, what? Uh,
1: Joe Rogan <laughs> said Jocko got sloppy-toppy. No.
0: What? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm talking about the dipsy-doozy flippy-doo. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, if there's ever a fight between Mark andre Berrio and Kristoff Jotko, this is how you would think it would play out, you know?
0: <laughs> I don't think that was a compliment, but you're right. We've got boos coming in for the first time on the (laughs) pay-per-view. And these are Canadians, by the way. They definitely give them a lot more slack. I mean, if this is an American audience, they're booing two minutes into the first time. Two minutes in, yeah.
1: This one, Canada's so nice, it took them six minutes and 40 seconds before they booed. And they already stopped,
0: so. Yeah, well, oh, Oh my God. You're right about the. How is that not a dick shot? I mean, is the dick just not there? What?
1: So. Yeah, like who's landing more. That was a nice. Oh take. shit! Oh wow! Okay. Well,
0: how's <laughs> well, that, that? Somehow he ended down, up on the bottom.
1: Yeah, and he had full mount too. I mean, that was literally at the buzzer. That looked for, like, like, like someone year. trying
0: to take down Derek Lewis. You like get a great takedown, and then he's on. He top. Lands. He's like wow, yeah. how did? And then it's like the record scratch. It's like <laughs> I bet you're wondering how I ended up down yeah. here. Yeah. So fight one ends via split decision. Your winner, Christoph Jocko.
1: Christoph Jocko just did the spin-a-rooney. Sorry,
0: Noah. (laughs) Go ahead. I did did notice that out of the corner of my eye. That was very impressive. Uh, Probably the most impressive part of the fight right there. So, Dominic, what were kind of your thoughts on Barryall versus Jocko? Oh, there's Volkanovski. How cool is that? that. Number one ranked Alexander Volkanovski.
1: He weighed in as the backup for the main event. Did you
0: notice that like there was hardly any reaction for him too
1: I know And now he shows two, how far pound
0: pound. shows how far he's come right
1: In 3 years just over 3 years
0: So here we go fight number 2 Olivier albin Mercier taking on Armand Saryukian Two guys who we've been talking about a lot in recent months so this will be very interesting
1: For very different reasons too that's what I'm going to love so much about this whole rewatch series, this journey we're on, man. Where they were, where they are now. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's more relevant for like these two guys, but still. I do wonder if this is going to cancel out and be a striking match, and you would think Armand has the advantage. We've seen how great he is on the feet. Ooh. As I say that, he kicks a fucking head kick to the face, but catches it.
0: Armand is going for the takedowns though right now. He seems pretty aggressive and yeah. getting that. It's just so interesting now that we've gotten used to OAM and the PFL to see anybody try to take him down. I know.
1: There's a the little kid sitting next to Dana.
0: <laughs> is that a son? I don't know. Is that a Hasbulla?
1: <laughs> Before everybody knew about Hasbulla. Where's Dana? Where are you at? He's to the right of the blue ESPN Plus pad there. And it looked like a little kid next to him. It could have just been a bad angle.
0: I want to, I want to see. <laughs> see fuck? it? Was that a Isn't that kid? a little
1: kid? <laughs> Front row next to Dana? I just saw something. See that head. look? His head's barely peeking over.
0: <laughs> That's Osbula, bro.
1: Dude.
0: Maybe. Oh! <laughs> oh, shit. You said Armand going to have the advantage on the feet. but No throwing that crazy shit. That was a nice leg kick, too. But it looks like he's going to go for a ride. Oh, man.
1: Olivier did pretty good there. Armand didn't land too much. He was just kind of controlling the fight. I, well, I do wonder how the judges scored that round. And I wonder how they would score that round again three years later in 2022 with the way shit. It's a good going. point.
0: It's a good point. Now you probably score that for OAM. Back then, definitely started to bet.
1: Around. I bet. No, it's
0: green, bro. A green bug. Dude. <laughs> what the fuck is going on? I need a napkin i need like 10 napkins i don't want to touch 10 napkins thing. honestly right now OEM looks like he could be up 2-0 i
1: he very much could be up 2-0 john just or joe said this could uh, e- easily be one to one and again i'm just i keep hopping back to where we're at present day in 2022 thinking oem's up 2-0 easy <laughs> in 2022 i am super intrigued at the this round and just the scorecards in general it's i mean oam is look beating armand on the feet mm-hmm. he's holding uh strong in the grappling department not getting taken down i mean this is um i'm having a hard time finding much success for armand really i mean let us not forget how you know awesome armand's uh are on the ground shout out my man joel alvarez was on the worst end of those
0: oh my god
1: that was a that was one of the bloodiest fights I can remember in the last couple of years.
0: <laughs> that fight was uh, that was a great that was just a very fun fight to watch, but man, poor Joel Alvarez just got steamrolled. Yeah, man. Joe saying that he's likely gonna secure a decision when He's like very front.
1: confident that Armand's gonna win. That's uh but I do want, I wonder at the time, me watching this, if I thought the same thing though. It's so interesting to see where we're at right now with judging. I still
0: understand the rules didn't change. I know. But somehow...
1: They're they're, they're just more prominent now, I guess.
0: Apparently our understanding of the rules have changed massively. Like, the rules that were in this fight, that were used to score this fight, were the exact same that we have now. The changes were made like three years prior. Like, basically since I've been watching, it's been these rules. All right, so I don't really see. understand why the last few months all of a sudden everything changed. I say, like, what were we? What were we missing? You know?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I if I uh, am scoring the fight right now, I score it two one for OAM, but clearly that's wrong. I just I, it's going to be a twenty nine twenty eight 28 on. I imagine. I wonder if this is a split. I'll be curious. That was the twenty nine twenty eight unanimous across the board. For uh, Armand.
0: So, like Dom just said, Armand Saryukian gets the unanimous decision win over Olivier Aubin-Mercier. So, Dominic, your thoughts on the fight? You obviously disagreed with the judging, but overall, good fight. Not a great fight yet? What are you you thinking?
1: Better than the first fight of the main card. Nothing great, but it, it makes it cooler to watch that fight and know where both guys are now in 2022. Um, so, yeah, I mean, interesting fight. Nico Price's hair, very different in 2019 than what it is now in 2022. <laughs> Sorry, got distracted there. Uh, but it was a high-level stuff, much like you would assume from OAM and Armand Saryuki. And that was Armand's first UFC win, and we've seen what he's done since. And like Noah and I were discussing, that may have been OAM's last UFC fight. We're not 100% sure. We could even look that up, I guess, but... Look at that. Jeff Neal, minus 330, coming in against Nico Price, plus 260. I guess at the time, that makes a ton of sense. This is Jeff Neal's rise still, right? He hadn't lost yet in the UFC.
0: Nico Price is just one of those guys who's never in a boring fight. That never. knockout of James Vick is just brutal. The Randy Brown knockout where Randy's bottom like, guard, yeah. I mean, that's just... Nico Price is just a fucking animal. Dan, Big Dan Mergliato, your referee... Another guy we haven't seen in a MBR while. We are kickstarting fight number three, Jeff Neal taking on Nico Price. I have I don't remember this fight very well, but I doubt it's going to be boring. Let's put it that way. Yeah, he's
1: hand speed so fast. Jeff Neal, that performance he just had against Vicente Luque, man, he really made a statement with that win. That was big. He needed that. That was too. a surprise. I was yeah. not
0: expecting that. That's the best he's ever looked.
1: Oh yeah. To do it to Luke. you know? First <clears> guy to <throat> ever pin it or knock him out, yeah. Ooh! Ooh. That quick little left. Yeah. Big oh, takedown shit. from Jeff Neal. He's so physically Nico strong. Nico going for a run. Like a damn alligator in the water.
0: Ooh, but he's going to end up potentially on top. And What the? God, Jeff Neal's so strong. Trunks
1: are coming off, I think. What?
0: Nico's so long. These two look like they're playing the game of Twister right now. What the hell's going on? Slingshot. Engage. (laughs) Oh, that was a good shot from Jeff Neal. But Nico is adamant about these body kicks right now. I'm liking it.
1: Hey, man, that, that Jeff Neal left hand. Just like uh, landed at will against Luke. That's his weapon. He throws that shit so quick and from all angles.
0: Yeah, you got to be very impressed now looking back on the Wonder Boy fight for how Steven Thompson pretty much avoided that for most of the fight.
1: Yeah, that I thought to me personally that was one oh, of Wonder Boy's. Oh, he's, he's hurt. A big combination.
0: Nico hurt.
1: Takedown again, fails. This fight's getting a little wild. Nico Price, who would have thought?
0: <laughs> Oh, my oh, gosh,
1: they oh, both just got knocked down.
0: They both just got knocked down. Whoa.
1: Did Jeff just flash KO, hit his head on the mat, and woke back up? I'm pretty sure.
0: That was – That was giving me remember Pro-Hask that
1: Dominic Reyes vibes or some don't shit don't right I remember there. Jeff
0: Neal getting dropped like that. That's a uh, – That was wow. a
1: double knockdown, essentially. That was crazy. There's that little down. kid. Oh, dude, that's mini-blessed. It's mini-blessed. That's who was sitting <laughs> next to Dana. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's Mini Blessed. Oh my gosh!
0: Oh, you're I was like, "Who
1: is this little kid next to Dana?" It was him.
0: I'm just telling you guys, Dom would be the type of dude if we were at a UFC event and he saw Mini Blessed, he would ask for an autograph and picture.
1: That's facts. That's Which,
0: facts. That would be on my
1: backdrop behind me. Let me know
0: that down below on a scale of one to ten how embarrassed would you be if you had Dom with you and he did that. <sighs> It's good stuff. I don't know who you scored that round for. You kind of. Yeah. I feel like Jeff Neal's got to take it though, right? But I don't know. Like. Was interesting. Was that? Was I wonder if that was credited as a double knockdown. Like that would really help me here. But.
1: I want to see if they clashed heads. They okay. did clash oh, heads. So. And they both went down. It looked like the punch. Nico landed Neal. a hard left, but Neal landed a left, and then they clashed heads.
0: Oh, Just, shit. oh!
1: They're swinging and banging. I'm over here
0: talking about sh- sh- tracking Spinning shoulders. What, Nico. dude? What?
1: Damn! Nico, what? Nico locking in oh, oh. a <laughs> Okay, Jeff escapes. <laughs> Jeff escapes. Oh, oh, oh! Nasty oh, account. Jeff Neal is raining down big, thunderous left
0: hands nasty ground and pound it does look like nico could sneak in like some sort of i know yeah because it's kind of the guard's a little loose right now dude oh Oh. oh, it's about it that's it no that's it
1: he stopped it wow jeff neal's left hand is a deadly deadly weapon. Nico
0: not happy with that stoppage but hard to nico
1: just look at him man he just is like fucking loves it he lives it's hard in it's breeze. hard
0: to hard to deny that stoppage though i mean no nah, it's a lot of off the... a, lot, a lot of unprotected shots right there yeah so fight number three ends via tko in round two two minutes 39 seconds in jeff hands of steel neil finishes nico price so this is probably the most noteworthy thing to come out of this card dom is uh the fallout of this fight chris cyborg felicia spencer Um, Obviously, in my little um, whatever you want to call it, my breakdown of kind of what led us up to this event, I talked a lot about the ongoing beef between Cyborg and the UFC, Ronda Rousey, all that. But the biggest thing I had to leave off is what ultimately got her cut from her contract or released, which is the whole uh, whole doctored video. Fiasco that happened right after this event. I mean, this this was right after this fight. She um, confronted Dana White backstage at this event, released a video where the subtitles of it made it sound like Dana had admitted that he lied about her, and then she pulled the video a couple days later. Kind of turned out that she she blamed someone in her production team. And Dana said we're out of the cyborg business, released her from her contract, and then she went on to Bellator. So she's an absolute legend, man. I mean Oh yeah. That's an OG. Like you go back and look at some of her early fights, you know, a pioneer for, for
1: women's MMA.
0: Elite XC and promotions like that before even going on to Strike Force and Invicta, like
1: I mean look at that. UFC Strike Force Invicta and now Bellator champion in all four. It's crazy.
0: And she is getting tagged immediately. Holy shit.
1: That's what's always been crazy about Felicia. Her durability and toughness and heart is just always was unquestionable in all these fights she had. That was a nice step in elbow. That was a good elbow. And Cyborg. Oh, Oh, she cut
0: Cyborg with it. See how that was like such a big deal? Joe's like, holy
1: shit. Chris Cyborg's bleeding. She's cut.
0: I am curious to hear his commentary because this is one of those fights that has been... Um, gone down in infamy for Rogan's apparent biased commentary against Chris Cyborg. Okay. Um, so I'll be curious to see how that sounds. Because if I remember right, this is pretty much a clean sweep for Chris Cyborg on the cards. But yeah, um, Rogan made it sound like a much closer fight. So we'll be interested to see how that goes. There's knees to the
1: body. Oh,
0: oh, man. Oh, oh, my. Sweet Mother Mary.
1: Her power and just strikes her her combinations have always been so great, cyborg man, the way she puts them together, four, five, six. Like that's
0: your mom walking in on you in the north-south position in UFC is my mom walking in on me in the strip club in Grand Theft Auto Five. I've never heard a better analysis. <laughs> never forget my mom being like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'll never forget that. And I was like, ah, it was a mission, I swear. Yeah.
1: It's part of the <laughs> game. Dude, the knees to the body are making me. What?
0: what? Oh, that elbow. Oh, oh, oh my oh. gosh. Good bounce back win for Chris.
1: Yeah, here's Joseph. Yeah, gonna... Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Joe's so witty when things happen like that. And we would never see her again in the UFC, as yeah. uh following all that shit that happened backstage, she would be released from her contract. It's kind of a somber end to the UFC career. Yeah, I do yeah. miss Max being in this position. You know, mm-hmm. kind of sucks watching him lose the way he did the Volkanovski. I mean, I love Volkanovski, but God, I miss Max. Was just the confidence, the way he, mm-hmm. the swagger, the way he talked, the way he fought, like. That was a that was a fighter's fighter right there when he was champion, you know? Absolutely. And we're ending round two, and I still don't think much has really happened here. Yep. Well, Frankie going for a little something-something. but And then Max said, anything you can do, I can do better. Uh, that was an interesting way to end that round two, oh, Max. <laughs> do you remember, like, what's your earliest memory with the UFC? Like, earliest you can think back? Probably. Is there a fight? Probably
1: Chuck and Randy Couture. I'd say it was the one. one that's prominent in my head. Like I vividly remember renting that because I know Dad had bought pay-per-views before that, but the one that I like literally remember probably Chuck yeah. and Randy Couture. Yeah,
0: that was literally the the fight that really started the boom. That was that and Ultimate Fighter season one had just wrapped up.
1: Yeah, I remember how big it felt. A huge time. Recorded it on VHS tape type deal.
0: I remember me and our buddy Jake, uh, Jake Moore, that is. Uh, we were, well, we were at his house and we were looking up Brock Lesnar's UFC fight on YouTube. That was That's your first kind of
1: recollection.
0: Record. Yeah, and then I and then I think I saw Forrest Griffin versus Stephen Bonner on YouTube. Yeah, and then because I went back, I went and cleared out a lot of my Facebook history just because it's so cringy. Yeah, and I had posted like two or three times in like 2011 or 2012. About the UFC. And I had oh, no really? idea. But it would be like me being like, really hope my parents decided to get me UFC whatever for my birthday. And I was like, I don't even remember asking for that. Like, That's awesome. So I always had that fleeting interest. It just never was able to commit to it, you know, because I didn't have the money to, I wasn't buying the pay per views, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Chuck and Randy and then um, Rich Franklin was a big deal around here because he's from. Yep. My dad's it. met him. My dad's yeah. met him. Yeah. Uh, local gym. Had no idea,
0: Had no idea he was uh, one of the best fighters in the world when he met him, though.
1: Yeah, he was legit, man, and a full-time teacher on the side and worked out at a gym that's now Queen City Grappling. Um, pretty successful little local gym here, has fighters. Shout out Jimmy Jimmy Sandlin, right, fighting in Combate yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, they have good yeah. fighters there. Back when it was just the Power Station gym, Rich Franklin was there. So every time he fought, it was a big deal. Then my idol, you know, Anderson Silva had to, you know, send him into oblivion two times. <laughs> you know, it was uh... send,
0: send his ass to one championship. Bro. Little did
1: I know that was kind of almost the first uh, passing of the torch for me. You know, because I came in with Rich and cheering him on, the Ohio guy, and then my all-time favorite fighter takes the title from him and runs with it. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. I never thought about it that way until right now. Who was like that I first also... fighter for you? That you know? I mean, I like, guess once
0: I started. Like, once I yeah. start watching, you let's UFC go to like 199.
1: UFC 199 and like what fighter really stuck with you that first year that was like, this is who I'm going to ride with. This is who.
0: So, Stipe was an obvious one, right? We saw True him live from, and yeah. he was Cleveland champion. Was Robbie there yet? Um, I remember getting really excited about seeing Anthony Pettis when we were at the I UFC 203 live event. Yeah. And our fan expo. And then it rained, so we couldn't meet him. So I remember really yeah. liking Anthony Pettis. I really liked Nate Diaz and his. When him and McGregor fought, I was rooting for Nate at B Dubs. I remember watching that fight with you. Yeah. It's the first time we ever watched the fight at B Dubs, actually. Yeah, you know what? I remember People. even more. Well, not even more. I mean, that fight
1: was fucking awesome. But uh, <laughs> that was when uh, Rumble knocked out Glover to share. That was. Yeah. 13 Um, second uppercut from hell Man that was our stomping ground That really started a trend for us That lasted uh, quite some time
0: Dude we went to to B-dubs For almost every pay per view From like Because there was a little gap after 202 because then we went to 203
1: Yeah we went to that
0: one We were home for 204 and 205 I watched 205 at your House 204 you were at B-dubs with other friends Yeah I remember that because yeah. I got invited, but I couldn't go for some reason. Yeah. 206, I don't remember watching live. 207, Rousey Nunez was at your house. Yep. Cody yep. Garbrandt, amazing. That was a, like a right? uh,
1: New Year's Eve thing. I had a lot of people there. Yeah, right? actually, Cody
0: was one that I was like, I thought he was going to be like my guy for uh, up until now, and then he kind of. Yeah, I mean, we met him, and then his next fight, yeah. he won the title. We met yeah. him twice, you know.
1: Well, yeah, twice now.
0: I mean, I love Cody. Don't get me wrong, but like, I really like. I was like, I was like, my Ohio boys are champions, you know. And Cody just didn't really happen. But and then from there, I'm pretty sure we just started going almost every month. Yeah, I know 209 was back home. That's the one pay per view I've gotten my dad to watch with me live. Well, that and. International Fight Week just a couple months ago. That was Wonderboy versus Woodley 2, and I had to apologize mm. to him for spending his money on that card afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of memories, man. My entire college experience is essentially tied to binge drinking and people <laughs> kicking each other's ass and the cage. Yep. you know? I mean, really, the MMA, the UFC, like, that was a huge part of the college experience, you know? I yeah, pretty much, for... Five years, I may not have watched every card, because it really might have taken me time to get to that point, but God, I checked in on every card, saw the yep. results, saw what happened, you know, a lot of a lot of memories. It is very interesting, once we started doing the podcast, like, before we started it, I thought I was a hardcore fan, and I would say I thought yeah. I was. Yeah, yeah. But the leaps and bounds that we've gone <laughs> since then, like yeah. knowledge and yeah, just everything, I mean... Like, I'm almost embarrassed that I thought I was smart enough to do a podcast about MMA when we started.
1: Yeah, compared to where we are now, I yeah. would agree. I would definitely agree with that. But, you know,
0: I, I also love that about us, that we kind of just went for it and didn't give yeah. a shit what anybody had to think. Didn't care who was out there doing it already. Yeah, We just wanted to do it for fun. And it is fun to go back and listen to our thoughts on UFC yeah. 252 and the pre. Like I go back and listen to old episodes all the time. I mean, obviously we've improved a lot and our our setup, our audio, our the content format. has
1: changed, yeah,
0: yeah. But um, those conversations are still very authentic to me. I still love listening. And,
1: and and that is much to the part of that guys. And I think we probably said it in the pilot. But that was every conversation Noah and I would have before the podcast. Mm -hmm. Like, the conversations you hear on here are what we do out of the podcast and what we were doing leading into the podcast. Because we had talked about starting it for like a year or more at that point during all those cards that we would go watch. We would sit at beat-ups for six hours and just eat
0: wings and drink a beer.
1: And, I mean... They'd have to are. kick
0: us out sometimes. We'll they literally would have to
1: kick us out at 2 a.m. or whatever, you know? Yeah. Noah would even take well, a poster from the wall, remember. They would let you yeah. have a poster.
0: Yeah. And, you know, what? Um, what's so interesting is that now we talk at least – I mean, we pretty much talk every day if you include our Twitter and group yeah. text with our buddies. But as far as face-to-face or in this kind of way – I mean, we're talking at least twice a week for multiple hours. Yeah. At yeah. that time before the podcast, you know, me and Dom were in the same college, but once we stopped rooming together, yeah. we were sort of living different lives. Like I was yeah. very into my like fraternity life and um, campus involvement and yeah. Dominic was very much still into sport management. He was working at yeah. the ticket office and very into the athletic side of a uh, Our school
1: busy schedules, man.
0: Yeah, and uh, so really, those were the only times that we were we were coming together, and we were spending six hours talking about what was going on in our lives, updating each other on all the crazy shit that had happened with each other, and talking MMA. So yeah, those um, I almost uh, part of me wishes we would have recorded more of those conversations before. It became such a reoccurring thing, right? Yeah,
1: those are those moments you can really just cherish and always bank in the memories. Mm. You know, like those were. You know what did Andy say in the office? I wish you knew you were in the good old days before you left them, or whatever. Yeah, he said. yeah, that's a,
0: that's probably the best quote that show's ever produced. Yeah, yeah. that's one of my favorite. Obviously, we quote. love the Office, right? Like, love the Office, but it's gotten a little overdone with the quoting of the show and stuff. But that yeah. quote, yes, top notch. Absolutely. I mean, that's truly how I felt through most aspects of my life. You know. Yeah. Hundred percent. I I I do love the idea of like, just sitting in the moment. You you said you had a little bit of that that last time we were all in BG, watching the UFC card together. Yes. You kind of were able to do that at the end when we're all cleaning up. You got to just kind of stand there and look around, and it was like, man,
1: felt special. Yeah.
0: Yeah like i just i feel like i've not had that yet where i've gotten to just be in the moment mm-hmm. but uh like for high school football and stuff like yeah. that like you yeah, you're always so focused on whatever so stressed out and it's like man i wish i could have just in the moment been there taken some there. time wow. to yeah reflect yeah. and just realize look at where we've came look at you know what's going on it's yeah. life beautiful beautiful thing yeah. look at that little uh Kind of, you know that dive. the fight's not. You know the fight's not very exciting when me and Dom just go on. The, People are gonna see that thing. part of the video and be like, "What the fuck's going on?"
1: <laughs> Max Holloway and Frankie are fighting. With...
0: Hey, man. they're gonna be poking us with the stick, like make us laugh. Damn it! What's this shit? What's this? They're, shit?
1: they're like wiping tears off their cheek <laughs> listening to the MMA show. What's that? <laughs>
0: I mean, I was surprised, actually, to see Frankie get a little bit of success with his takedowns in, like, the last round. But, really, there's just not a whole lot going on here. I mean, it's, yeah. Uh...
1: This was just, um, you know, Max kind of in a flow state, getting the reads that he needed, not being overzealous, which he never really has. It's crazy, man, that, like, Max had all these shutout performances, great performances, um, and none of them are even his best. You know, his best performance ever came after he was the champion. It's mind boggling against that Calvin is, Cater. You know, it's crazy. That
0: is crazy. I wonder if there's a debate. Does anybody? I wonder if anybody out there would try to debate and say like, "Do Ortega' performance is better?" You know,
1: I mean, that's that's great, but I mean, that Calvin. I agree. I agree, I
0: agree with you, but I wonder if there is anybody who would try to say, "Well, because of the title performance," or maybe thinking Ortega is a better opponent yeah. than Cater. Yeah. I do wonder if there's anyone, but I think it's pretty clear that's, like, the best performance in UFC history is his win over yeah, Calvin
1: Yeah, it's unreal. And, I mean, you know, I mean, not that Brian has done bad things. I mean, he took a while off and then had his best performance ever after that against Korean Zombie, but Calvin Cater had his best performance ever against Giga Chikadze and had a very close fight with uh, Josh Emmett this year as well. So
0: What's a shame is I might do it again. It's like that goofy meme where he's like, I'll fucking do it again. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's gonna be me
1: oh shit
0: man I just gotta find a, a, just a sweet little southern bell that's got Fubo TV subscription <laughs> and just be like hey baby you trying to watch the challenger series and chill <laughs> <laughs> what oh
1: shit Noah can be that meme that you would see on twitter where the guy's like in the girl's ear but it's a <laughs> yeah. it challenger yeah. series <laughs>
0: she's like this isn't what I thought when yeah. you said challenger series and chilled it's me being like Carlos Leal has <laughs> got to be a favorite to win this season
1: yeah
0: yeah he he. not only didn't get a contract last season on the challenger series then he gets a late notice fight against Ray Cooper the third who won the previous season and this woman's like oh my god dude I fucked up. Max <laughs> <Well, Next> Holloway <laughs> and still your UFC featherweight champion. Tell me if there's anything
1: notable in this uh, interview. Yeah, I guess we'll,
0: we'll we'll get through the interview and then we'll kind of wrap yeah. it up. But, Final um,
1: thoughts. Get you guys out of here.
0: So something that we're going to try out, hopefully start doing when we do these um, cage side rewinds, is we kind of want to do a cumulative score. Me and Dominic each give a score of 1 through 100. And we average them out and that is our score for the pay-per-view. The pay-per-view is ultimately the five fights or I guess sometimes occasionally six fights or I don't know off chance four fights, whatever. That is what you're paying your hard-earned money on. So this is anything 60 and above is a recommendation. Make sure you go ahead and buy it. Anything below that, it's a skip. Uh, also want to shout out two good friends of ours, the barely critical movie review podcast. We're kind of taking that scoring concept from them. Mm -hmm. So shout out to those guys. If you're listening, but, uh, I'll let you give your thoughts on UFC 240, and then you can give your score one to 100, Dom.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a good card with no incredible takeaways. It was cool seeing Max Holloway defend his belt for the last time. Little did we know it would be the last time at that point because of how good he had looked and, you know, Jeff Neal with the big statement finish, the only finish on the main card, the best fight of the main card, Chris Cyborg's last UFC fight, Felicia Spencer's first professional loss, Armand Saryukin and OAM. That was the fight I enjoyed the most out of the decision ones just because of where they are now. OAM, one win away from a PFL title. You know, and Arman one of the best in the world at lightweight, the most stacked weight class. Um, it, was, it was a fun fight. The first fight, Jotko and um, Barrio not very memorable. So I'll go overall first one of the year or first one of this concept. I know this is, kind of setting,
0: this is kind of set in this set in a standard right here. Yeah. Like, and which makes you know what you're going to go, go do. lower. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're going to like the next one you're going to want to put, if you like it more above it. So just yeah. remember, like I think we're both leaning slightly negative where I don't think either of us are giving this a full recommend. Yeah. But if we're putting this in the high fifties, are we saying that this is like, just barely, uh, uh, don't recommend. Right, because there might be some cards in the future that you're gonna want to don't recommend, but yeah. they might be better than this. You get what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go 47. Shout out AJ Hawk the Bunk Guys. I'll go 47. Uh, good card. Nothing crazy. Not gonna knock your nuts off. What?
0: But it was 40, yeah, a it 47 was out of 100. Under 50 percent. Good card. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go pretty similar to you. Uh, Jocko Berryall, um, uh, I mean, it's what I expected. Not very good stuff there. Just very clinch-heavy, very slow, plodding fight. Um, the OAM, sorry, you can fight. I think my interest in it was higher than what the fight actually produced mm-hmm. due to the talent involved that were pretty high on both guys right now. So it felt bigger because of that. Like, if you, if we were watching this fight at the time, right. Definitely wasn't anything. And, and,
1: you know, we kind of have to put ourselves in that mindset of if we can, uh, you know, it's yeah, hard. it's hard. It's hard to yeah. do.
0: Admittedly, my interest was kept because of who was involved. Exactly. Yeah. But I think the fight itself was still forgettable. Yeah. I mean, it's memorable in the sense it might have been OAM's last UFC fight, it might have been, Ar- and it was Armand's first UFC win. But yeah. um, beyond that, not a whole lot there. Uh, Jeff Neal, Nico Price, was awesome. Just a lot of fun. Uh, two guys with heavy hands landing on each other very hard and dropping each other multiple times. The fight was closer than I remember for some reason. Yeah. I like remember Jeff Neal like just running through him, and that is not at all how this went. Uh, Nico actually, I think, dropped Jeff twice. I mean, once was like a headbutt, but um, Jeff Neal though gets it done in the second round. You're only finish of the pay per view card, and I think that definitely helps it as well. Get some points. Uh, co-main event: Chris Cyborg's last fight. Uh, it was pretty. It was entertaining to watch because again, Felicia Spencer just taking so shot classic. after shot, yeah. and she just doesn't seem all that phased by it. Uh, Cyborg very aggressive, heavy hitter. She's fun to watch. So it, it gets a passing grade that fight, but uh, nothing special, I guess, and a weird one to put Cyborg in after her loss of her title into Amanda Nunes. And it's a weird one to end her UFC career. And then the main event, I just kind of expect more when you have Max Holloway and Frankie Edgar in a fight. For two guys that are so fan-friendly in their styles, they just didn't mesh here very well. It was very clear that uh, Max just had a big advantage in uh, the reach and uh, being able to keep that distance properly. Frankie just had a hell of a time trying to close that distance. So pretty dull five-round fight, to be honest with you. Me and Dominic got very deep during that part. Yeah, yeah. So all in all, I'm basically saying there's one really good fight. There's one fight that's worth watching. And then you basically have three fights that are kind of forgettable. So, God, now I'm tempted to go lower than you based off of what I just said. But my original score was going to be 49. Now am I going to stick with that? It's Max Holloway's last title defense. It's Cyborg's last UFC fight. It feels a little... More relevant because of that, but really, it's a pretty forgettable card. I'm gonna go with I'll go with the 49 because we're gonna meet in the middle, and then it'll be a 48 out of 100. And I think that's yep. a very good like score. That. So yeah, UFC 240. It's in the books. maybe maybe Dominic will put a little a little something on here. 48 out of 100 is what the below average Joe's MMA show gives UFC 240. Comment below your. Uh, score for UFC 240. Uh, let us know if you guys were able to, if you guys went back and watched this due to this episode or or what have you. Let us know what cards you want to see next. Admittedly, we're not going to use your suggestions unless we get some overwhelming support for one because we got the spinner wheel deciding how we're doing things around here. But let us know what you think of the concept. I love, uh, I, I'm yeah. so... I'm hoping, again, we have not edited this and put it together yet. I, If it turns out the way that I envision it, this is what I am going to be most proud of up to this point that we have created. It's really what I want us to, to hang our hat on and, and point to when people say, why should I watch the Below Average Joe's MMA show? Content like this. Yeah. For now, this is the content we're giving you. You got the, the podcast that we do twice a week. It'll vary depending on the month, but you'll get verbal sparring. You'll get at least, I'll put it like this. You will likely get at least one verbal sparring and one cage side rewind a month. Yeah. Could there be more? Maybe. Is there a month where we might not be able to do one? of the, It could happen, but um, hopefully one a month for each Um, so that is really what you're getting for the near future, but that's not to say that you won't see more in the future because we've got a, we got a list of ideas and we're still brainstorming. We've been in such a creative flow recently that who's to say that tonight, me and Dom don't hatch another idea and we're talking about it Sunday. Um,
1: Yeah. Talking to some people from the community as well, you know, that's
0: potentially on the horizon as well. So Really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to watch. Uh, please drop a like, drop a comment. It helps the algorithm. Uh, follow us on our social media at the Bajma at the Bajma. the B A J M M A. Let us know your thoughts on this concept, ways that we can improve it. Um, again, really appreciate it. But Dominic, there's only one way we end our shows around here. I know this is new content. It's different than the podcast. But I refuse to have a normal sign-off. So I'm going to put you on the spot and say, do you have any closing statements for this very first cage cage-side Rewind? Oh, look at that. The, he, you had that ready. I literally did not tell Dom that we were doing that. And that man put it there. He had the banner ready to go.
1: But do I have one is
0: the thing. You gotta have a question um, or something. There's gotta be something in that brain. Oh, dude! You know what? I'll do. I'll do this.
1: I, it's gonna be MMA related. <clears throat> I know we don't like to do that, but we asked each other this question. Um, surely this conversation is gonna be in the episode, so I'm gonna ask it here to you guys. Well, what is that one kind of memory or that one fighter that maybe not necessarily brought you to MMA, but that? made you stick around that really pulled Mm -hmm. you in and made you kind of love this sport love this game no and i kind of gave our thoughts on memories or like that one first person let us know what you guys think um yeah it's mma related but it relates to the show i want to get you guys
0: and i and i will say because you kind of worded it different there the fighter that made me stick around has got to be dan henderson ufc 199 that's the fight His knockout over Hector Lombard is what kind of convinced me, like Mm. this is something I want to stick around and keep watching. That's a
1: big one, yeah.
0: So yeah, Hendo. i got to give him a lot of credit for that. I mean, it's so weird. Like the main event is this massive upset knockout, (laughs) just being over Rockhold, but I don't remember it that way because I didn't know who either guy really was. The storyline, yeah. Yeah, so um, that's that's my answer. Um, For my closing statement, I will pose a question. Gatorade or Powerade? Ooh, ooh, ooh! <laughs> you know what? I think it, knee-jerk reactions to immediately go Gatorade, but do not overlook Powerade. You have
1: to here. think. I think right now, twenty-four years old, current day, I'm taking a Powerade over a Gatorade. I think I
0: am. It kind of depends on the flavor. I True. will admit. I'm specifically thinking of the blue one, dark blue. Yeah. one. Mountain Blast, I think it is. Mountain Berry Blast, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. To me, the Powerades are defined by the blue and actually the pink. Pink lemonade. Okay, okay. Just fantastic. But, you know, if you put it up against Gatorade's um, Glacier Freeze, I mean, that's an all timer.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, I even, I'm a big fan of the white. I I didn't think I would be because I like the idea of a white drink. Yeah, but it's, uh, what is it, Berry Blast or something. I think that's probably my
1: favorite one. That and Glacier Freeze are my two favorites. Yeah.
0: Um, I'll take either. Admittedly, it's kind of, it's been kind of like finding out Santa Claus isn't real when you find out how bad for you Gatorade and Power really are. That they're not yeah, actually you... these, these like post workout. Like they, basically, they're like, it's like drinking Kool Aid or Hawaiian Punch with a dash of electrolytes. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, <laughs> which kind of sucks. Kind of sucks to find that out uh, when you're a little bit older. But, um, I think the biggest thing that tips Powerade, if you're just going flavor for flavor, like doesn't matter, you're just getting a random one, right? You go Powerade because of the size. Tr- yes. The proportions, right? The girth. I mean, dude, the girth on those things. Yeah. I mean. It's a solid circumference. Gatorade's a grower. Powerade's a shower. What? That'll do it. I'm Noah Baker. That's Dominic Salee. We are simply two of the below-average Joes, and we'll see you on Monday.